And it can be the same with our lives as well. Everything on the outside may appear to be clean and good, but then on the inside, inside our hearts, it's actually not. So the one thing for us today is be clean from the inside out by giving God all of your heart. Be clean from the inside out by giving God all of your heart. If you have your Bibles with you, or if you have the Bible app, uh, please turn to Luke chapter 11. Uh, today we'll be reading from Luke 11, verses 37 to 44. Luke 11, verses 37 to 44. So in the passages uh, immediately before this, you know, Jesus had just cast out a demon from a man. And then the crowd that saw what Jesus did, they were left marveled. But then some people in the crowd, you know, particularly the Pharisees and the scribes, you know, they didn't marvel. You know, instead, they accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Satan. And then others in the crowd, they were cynical. And they didn't believe Jesus. And they kept asking for more and more signs. So then in the previous passages, you know, Jesus addressed these slanderous accusers and insatiable cynics. And that's where we are in the text today, as Jesus is addressing and speaking to this crowd. So let's read Luke 11, verses 37 to 44. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. This is God's word. So we'll take a look at this passage in two parts. First, be clean from the inside out, verses 37 to 41. And then second, be warned of only outward devotion, verses 42 to 44. So first, be clean from the inside out. Verse 37 again says this, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. Now we know from the previous passages that Jesus had just cast out a demon from a man. You know, that must have attracted a lot of attention. So people started to gather to see what all the fuss was about. So imagine Jesus amidst a large crowd. And then as Jesus was speaking to this group of people, one Pharisee came through the crowd, approached Jesus, and then asked him to have dinner with him. Now this may be a bit surprising for us because the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders at the time, you know, they weren't known to being big fans of Jesus. You know, in fact, they had just accused Jesus of casting out demons 
by the power of Satan. So then, you know, Scripture doesn't say specifically why this Pharisee invited Jesus for a meal. But we can speculate, you know, that perhaps he just wanted to have a spiritual uh, discussion with Jesus. But then the more important thing to note here is how Jesus responded. He graciously accepted this Pharisee's invitation. So, you know, even though the Pharisees had just wrongly accused him of being a part of Satan's kingdom, Jesus held no ill will against them, and he willingly went to this Pharisee's home and reclined at table. So he took his place at the dining table. And as Jesus took his place, you know, let's imagine a room full of people. You know, this was not a one-on-one meal. You know, from the verses following this passage, we know that there were actually other Pharisees and other lawyers that were also present. So imagine Jesus at the dining table with other Pharisees, other lawyers, and then perhaps along the wall, there were also others that were standing and leaning along the side. But then amidst all the people in the room, the Pharisee who invited Jesus doesn't seem to be too focused on everyone else. But then he's closely observing one person in particular on Jesus at everything that he's doing. Verse 38 then says this, The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. So what surprised the Pharisee, you know, wasn't something that Jesus did, but what he didn't do. And, you know, perhaps we can relate to this. Because if we're hosting and then one of our guests didn't wash their hands before dinner, you know, perhaps we'd also be astonished, you know, especially during the pandemic, right? But what the Pharisee was referring to is actually not hand-washing for the sake of good hygiene. What he's referring to was ceremonial hand-washing. So the Pharisees, you know, they've developed this elaborate hand-washing ritual, and that's to ensure ceremonial cleanness. So for them, you know, it wasn't enough to properly clean your hands, but then you'd also need to perform this hand-washing ritual to make your hands ceremonially clean. So, you know, the Pharisee, they weren't astonished because Jesus' hands were visibly dirty. But then he was surprised that Jesus would eat with ceremonially unclean hands. Or at least that's what this Pharisee thinks. But then here's the thing. Their elaborate hand-washing ritual was not commanded in the laws of God. You know, it wasn't commanded in Scripture. It was actually a command from oral traditions that were verbally passed down from their Jewish elders, so from one generation to the next. So this means that Jesus was not disobeying God's word by not ceremonially washing his hands. No, he's just not following the man-made traditions that the Pharisees were following. But then that astonished this Pharisee, and Jesus knew what this Pharisee was thinking. In verse 39, this is how Jesus responded. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Now let's imagine Jesus picking up the cup that's in front of him and then showing it to all of the Pharisees in the room. And he's saying, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish. Now imagine Jesus 
pointing to the outside of the cup to the Pharisees and then pointing to the inside. But then inside, you're full of greed and wickedness. You know, the mood in the room must have changed completely. You know, if we think of a cup and it's clean on the outside, but then it's filthy on the inside, you know, would you call that a clean cup and then drink from it? Or would you call that a dirty cup? It's dirty, right? Because it's not usable. So what's Jesus saying here? He's saying that the Pharisees are unclean. Not on the basis of how clean they appear to be on the outside, but on the basis of how unclean they are on the inside. So Jesus is essentially calling out the Pharisees as hypocrites. You know, they may act righteous and upright on the outside, you know, following all the laws and all the traditions very closely. But then inside, their hearts are full of darkness. You know, it's full of greed and wickedness. You know, yet other people can't see this. You know, the Pharisees, they've successfully fooled everyone. You know, all the Jewish people, they thought of the Pharisees as the wisest, as the most godly, holy, and righteous men. And if you ask the Pharisees, you know, they'd agree with that. You know, that's also how they thought of themselves. You know, they've memorized the laws, and they kept to the laws very strictly. You know, so they thought of themselves as righteous. But that's not what Jesus thinks of them. He sees them for who they truly are on the inside, full of greed and wickedness. So in verse 40, Jesus continues his rebuke. He says this, You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? You fools. You know, Jesus is saying, do you realize how foolish you are? You, know, you may be able to fool everyone else, but did you really think that you can fool God? Didn't the potter who created the outside of the cup also create the inside of the cup? And didn't God who created you, who made your outside, also make your inside? Because didn't God who created your body also create your heart and your mind? You know, God is our creator. He knows not only how we appear to be on the outside, but then he also knows what's truly on the inside, our internal thoughts and our heart's true posture. So Jesus is telling the Pharisees that they can't fool him. You know, while no one else can see them for who they truly are, God can. God sees what's truly in their hearts. And the Pharisees' outward only appearance of cleanness is no good to Jesus. And you know what? You know, we'd agree with that. You know, in fact, it may seem so obvious to us, right? Of course the Pharisees were bad people. You know, it's, it's easy for us to pass judgment on them. But instead of judging others like how the Pharisees judge Jesus, you know, let's take time to reflect on our own hearts. Because isn't that also our tendency? Our heart's desire is to always want to look good in front of others. You know, in fact, we work so hard, we put so much effort and sacrifice so much for the sake of looking good in front of other people. You know, we work so hard to appear like our lives are so well put together. 
and to appear like we're so good and capable at everything that we do and that we have everything that we need. You know, we want others to see that we have it all. Beauty, success, intelligence, capability, you know, everything. We work so hard to clean the outside of our cups, you know, polishing our appearance over and over again. And we may, we may be able to fool others, maybe even ourselves, but God is not fooled. You know, but then why do we keep doing that? You know, why is that our tendency? It's because of sin. Our hearts are sinful, and our sinful hearts desire approval from others because we feel that others' recognition determines our worth and our value. And maybe we think that if others think highly of us, then we are of higher worth. But then on the flip side, if that's what we believe, then when others think of us less, then we also think that we're of lesser value. So out of our sinful hearts, we keep cleaning the outside of our cups, wanting to look good and worthy. But then guess what? You know, the people that you're trying to impress, they're probably just trying to impress other people too because everyone's just trying to look good in front of one another. We all have similar sinful tendencies and we're all being deceived by the devil. You know, Satan actually knows that it's what's inside the heart that matters most. So Satan is more than happy when we're stuck cleaning only the outside of our cups again and again. And, you know, maybe that makes us more like modern-day Pharisees than we'd like to think. You know, we're both greedy for approval. So let's not simply dismiss Jesus' rebuke as something that's only for the Pharisees because our outward appearance of cleanness is also not good enough for Jesus. You know, God created our hearts, and then what he desires is clean hearts. And Jesus clarifies this further. In verse 41, Jesus says this, But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. So Jesus continues to correct the Pharisees. You know, he's saying, you Pharisees want to show that you're truly clean? Then give as alms those things that are within. Give as alms. So to give alms is to give to the poor. So then, you know, we may be asking, you know, why is Jesus specifically highlighting the poor and the needy here? It's because the poor and the needy, they represent those people who cannot earn our giving and they cannot give in return. So then that means our giving would need to be genuine and sacrificial, not merely transactional, so without expecting something in return. And then such gracious and genuine giving would then be evidence of someone who's not greedy, but truly generous. But then the next question is, what are we supposed to give to others? You know, Jesus says, give as alms those things that are within. Those things that are within, you know, those things that are in your heart. So give our hearts to others, you know, our love, compassion, and sympathy. Give love to others generously and without expecting any in return. 
just like how you'd give to the poor and the needy without expecting anything in return. And then such sacrificial love for others would then be evidence of someone who's not wicked but truly loving. So then how do you show that you have clean hearts that are not greedy and wicked? By showing grace and sacrificial love to others. Then your outward action would be evidence of the inside cleanness of your hearts. And then when your heart is clean, Jesus says, everything will be clean. But then here comes a big problem. Actually, it's a huge problem. It's that we're sinful. We're naturally selfish. You know, we desire to look good for our own sake. You know, we don't naturally care for others. You know, not more than we care about ourselves. And, you know, even when we love or give to others, you know, maybe a part of us is actually doing it out of selfish reasons in order to look good, to gain recognition, or to gain something else in return. So even when we have the best intentions, we still have mixed motives. You know, it's never 100% clean with us. But then God's standard is perfect cleanness of the heart. And scripture says that we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. And so the bad news is that because of our sin, because of our greed and wickedness, what we deserve is eternal punishment in hell. That's what we justly deserve. You know, that's the bad news. But then here's the good news. You know, our God deeply loves us. And God the Father sent Jesus, his one and only son, from heaven to earth to save us. Jesus, the son of God, has a perfectly clean heart, and he loves us truly. And that's showcased on the cross when he died for our sins. You know, he graciously and sacrificially gave his life for us. Us, you know, who are sinners and do not deserve and cannot earn his love. Yet he still willingly gave his life for us. You know, he took on the punishment that we deserve. And, you know, for those of us who repent of our sins and put our faith in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. You know, the blood of Jesus on the cross washes us clean. So then when God looks at us, instead of seeing our unclean hearts, he sees Jesus' perfectly clean heart, and he deems us as righteous, as perfectly clean, because of what Jesus did for us. Not because of our own good works, not because of our outer appearance of cleanness, but because of what Jesus already did for us. You know, the blood of Christ has washed us clean from the inside out. And because of Jesus, we're justified. Jesus has made us right in the sight of God. And those who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life with God in heaven. That's the good news. So if you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Christ yet, then we invite you to talk to anyone around you or to the pastors at the end of our service. You know, we'd love to talk to you about Jesus and about what he's done to save sinners and what he's done to cleanse the hearts of all those who repent of their sins and believe in him as Lord and Savior. And for those of us who have already received Christ, you know, let's be reminded that God has cleansed our hearts 
from the inside out through the blood of Christ. And to God the Father, you know, that's how much we're valued. We're worth the precious blood of his one and only son. So our worth is not based on others' approval or how others see us, but it's based on the ransom that was paid to free us from sin and death. We now belong to God. And how does God see us? He sees us as clean and pure because of Jesus. And that's only by his grace, because he loves us as his beloved children. So then, the only appropriate response for us is to continue to be fully devoted to him and to praise him for who he is and what he's done for us. So again, be clean from the inside out. And the next, be warned of only outward devotion. Verse 42 says this, But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So as Jesus continues to address the Pharisees, he's saying, Woe to you Pharisees. And woe here means grief or anguish. So in this context, it's used as a warning. Jesus is warning the Pharisees that they'll experience grief and anguish if they continue to do what they're doing. Jesus is warning them that what they're currently doing is not right in the sight of God. And so then in verses 42 to 44, Jesus gives three woes or three warnings to the Pharisees. And all three warnings relate to their false devotion to God. You know, the Pharisees, they show the outer appearance of worship, but it's not true worship. So the first warning against the Pharisees is about how they've completely missed the heart of God's laws. Now, they're so careful to tithe, yet they neglect justice and the love of God. You know, to tithe means to give a tenth of what you have to God. So then the Pharisees, you know, they're so careful in their tithing that they're even giving a tenth from their herb gardens. So you know, if, if we imagine, you know, mint and rue are small plants with small leaves. So, you know, imagine the, Phar- the Pharisees meticulously counting the small mint and rue leaves and then carefully giving a tenth to God. You know, that's not necessarily wrong. You know, Jesus didn't say that they shouldn't have tithe. He said these things, like giving offering to God, you know, these things should be done. But do those things without neglecting the others, without ignoring justice and the love of God. So then while the Pharisees were so careful and so strict in following the laws and traditions, you know, carefully counting the leaves, they ignored the weightier, the more important matters of God's laws. That's why Jesus is giving them this warning. You know, true devotion to God does not ignore the heart behind God's laws. And we can also see the heart behind uh, God's laws in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 22, a Pharisee asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? 
And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, Jesus didn't say the greatest commandment is to tithe very carefully or make sure your hands are always ceremonially clean. No. No, Jesus said that the first and greatest commandment is to love God. And the second is like it. It's to love others. And then he said, all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So all of the commandments in the Old Testament and all that the prophets have spoken about can be summarized as love God and love others. And we can even see this in the Ten Commandments. You know, the first four are, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy. No, these are not just some random rules to be followed. God is saying, love me, honor my name, treasure your time with me by keeping the Sabbath day holy. So the first four commandments can be summarized as love God. And then the next six commandments, honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. Again, you know, not random rules. God is saying, honor one another. Care for each other. You know, so the final six can be summarized as love others. So the weightier matter of God's laws, including justice and the love of God, can be summarized more simply as love God and love others. And so Jesus is warning the Pharisees that they should not ignore these more important matters as they worship God and as they follow his laws. No, don't strictly follow the laws while neglecting to love God and love others. Then Jesus continues to warn the Pharisees. Verse 43 says this, Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Jesus' second warning against the Pharisees goes further into their false devotion and their neglect of loving God and others. You know, Jesus is warning them that they're not glorifying God. You know, they're actually glorifying themselves. And Jesus is highlighting this through two specific instances. The first instance is that the Pharisees love the best seat in the synagogues. So the synagogue is a place of gathering. It's a place for the reading of scripture, for prayer, teaching, and fellowship. So, so it's basically like our Sunday celebration gathering. The purpose is to worship God corporately. It's a context for loving God and others. Yet what the Pharisees loved the most about it was to sit in the best seats. Not so they could glorify God, but so that others could see them and give them recognition. You know, so they're not glorifying God. You know, they're the ones seeking to be glorified. They're glorifying themselves. 
And then Jesus mentions a second instance, that the Pharisees loved greetings in the marketplaces. So the marketplace is a public area where many people gather and interact with one another. So it's another context to love God by loving others. Yet what the Pharisees loved the most about it was to walk around in their long robes and to be greeted with respect and to be honored by people as they pass them by. So they weren't there to show love and honor to others, but they're there so that others can show an honor to them. So again, they're honoring themselves. So whether they're sitting or walking, basically in all that they do, you know, they just want to receive the admiration of others and to be glorified. And thus, they fail to truly glorify God. You know, from the outside, you know, it may seem like they're honoring God. You know, you know, they're keeping all of his laws. They're looking clean. They're sitting in the best seats. But then in reality, they fail to love God and to love others. They've neglected the more important matters of God's laws. And Jesus is not fooled. He sees what's truly in their hearts and who they're really glorifying. And this is the same for us. So let these first two warnings also be a warning to us. Because in our daily devotion to God, we all can forget the more important matters of loving God and loving others. You know, like the Pharisees, perhaps we can also lose sight of the big picture. We neglect loving God and others. We can speed through our quiet time, you know, just quickly reading through the word, just so we can say that we've read the Bible for the day. But then we forget to really be with God and to enjoy his presence. Or we faithfully give offering, you know, every Sunday. But then after church ends, on our way home, we can be disrespectful or unloving to others. You know, and like the Pharisees, you know, we forget that true devotion to God is about loving him. You know, perhaps even right now, as we're gathered as a church, our focus, our tendency is to focus on ourselves, on our performance, maybe on how well we're praying or singing. So from the outside, you know, it looks like we're worshiping, but on the inside, our minds are distracted, you know, perhaps even thinking of other things that we still have to do. But then that's Jesus' warning to us. Don't let worship be a performance. Don't let it be an outward-only appearance of devotion, but let it be true worship. So how can we do that? How can we practice true devotion to God? You know, we can do that by giving him all of our heart and all of our mind, by focusing on God as we worship him. And it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, God knows that we're not perfect. So when you pray to God, you know, your words don't have to be so eloquent. And then when you sing him praise, your singing doesn't have to sound professional. You know, the more important matter is the heart of worship. It's about consciously remembering who God is, what he's done, and what he'll continue to do for us. And then after we give him our full heart and our full attention, then we can intentionally give him all the praise and all the, gl all the glory. So let's not focus on merely outward performance, 
but let's give God all of our hearts because our outward devotion is only meaningful when there's an inward devotion to God, you know, only when our hearts are wholly given to God. So again, let's not be like the Pharisees who only glorified themselves because their worship was heartless and empty. And so Jesus has one final warning for them. In verse 44, Jesus says this, Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing. Jesus' final warning to the Pharisees is that they're doing the opposite of what they're supposed to do. You know, they're religious leaders who are supposed to be leading and helping others follow God. But then instead, they're leading people away from God. And thus, Jesus is comparing the Pharisees to unmarked graves. You know, because during that time, you know, the Jews would clearly mark their graves. You know, they would whitewash their tombs all in white so that they would be easily seen. You know, the purpose of that, so that others won't accidentally touch these tombs and then be defiled or be ceremonially unclean. And that's a big deal for them because that would mean that they're not able to worship at the temple until they're ceremonially clean again. So then if a Jew was walking and then they saw an unknown structure, you know, all in white, you know, they can assume that it's a tomb and then walk away from it. But then Jesus is comparing the Pharisees to unmarked graves. So then just like how people can come in contact unknowingly with unmarked graves and then become unclean unknowingly. You know, those who come in contact with the Pharisees are also unknowingly being fooled and being led astray. So Jesus is warning the Pharisees that they've become a defiling influence on others, a negative influence. They're teaching people to focus on the wrong things, on their particular practices and traditions, instead of focusing on, lo on loving and worshiping God. You know, so may, th may this be a warning to all of us. You know, let's not be a defiling influence on others, but let's be a purifying one. You know, because, because being a purifying influence in others' lives, you know, that's how we can show love to others. And the best way that we can do this is by pointing others to Jesus not to anyone or anything else, but to Jesus, the only one who can cleanse our hearts from the inside out. You know, Jesus purifies those who he, who he comes in contact with, you know, including those who are deemed unclean, like the demon-possessed and the lepers. You know, when Jesus comes in contact with people who are unclean, they didn't make Jesus unclean, but instead... Jesus made them clean. Jesus is the perfect purifying influence on others around him. And then now, as followers of Jesus, we are also to be a purifying influence on others around us. You know, we're to be distinct from the rest of the world. We're to spread his light to the darkness around us. So then as a community, you know, let's not be like the Pharisees who collectively became a symbol of hypocrisy. You know, for all of their outward devotion and clean outer appearance, Jesus saw the Pharisees 
for who they truly were based on their hearts. You know, they gave the appearance of worshiping God when they're only worshiping themselves. And they became a defiling influence on others. So instead, may we be a gospel-revealing community, you know, filled with people whose hearts have been cleansed by the blood of Christ, who genuinely love God and others as we point those around us to Jesus. You know, and may we share truth to one another, help and encourage one another to remain steadfast in living godly lives that honor God. And then as we continue to live godly lives, you know, remember that we're not alone. Not only are our brothers and sisters with us, God is always with us. You know, the Holy Spirit is in us, empowering us to, li to live God-honoring lives. The Spirit is, conti is continuously working in our hearts, continuously purifying us from the inside out, sanctifying us so we may be more like Christ in character. So may we be reminded that God alone is worthy of our praise and honor. He cleanses us from the inside out. So may we give him all the glory and may we point others to Jesus so that more and more people will come to know Christ and be cleansed from the inside out. Now to help us with our next steps, uh, here are three life applications that we can do uh, in order to give God all of our heart and live God-honoring lives. The first is let's examine our hearts. You know, before we make decisions, you know, examine our heart posture you know, by asking ourselves, you know, am I doing this to love God and others or am I not? And involve God in the process you know, pray to him and ask for help. You know, tell him that you have impure motives, but that he'll continue to use you and to help you, even with your imperfection. Help him to, uh, ask him to help you make the decision by opening doors, by opening opportunities. And then involve other brothers and sisters for wise counsel and as accountability partners. And then second, uh, we can focus on the heart of worship. So when we worship God, you know, instead of focusing on our performance or instead of letting our minds be distracted with other thoughts, you know, consciously focus on who we're worshiping, on God, on who he is, what he's done for us, and then allow that to fuel our praise. And then third, help brothers and sisters to love God and love others. So remind one another of the more important matters of God's laws to love him and others. So vulnerably share our struggles with others and have a teachable heart, you know, one that's willing to listen and to receive other, others' rebukes and warnings. And then if we see a brother or sister being unloving, you know, share the truth to them you know, in love so that they may see the error of their ways and then surrender more of their heart to Jesus. So again, the one thing for us is be clean from the inside out by giving God all of your heart.